0: Thanks for popping in. Episode 3 has the incense burns and I'm your humble host Sean P. Writes. Truth be told I didn't think that we would make it three episodes in but it seems as if the writing is on the wall. So I may have to hang around for a little bit. For episode 3 we're going to delve into something timeless a cruel contradiction and what I will do if you'll allow me to is I'm going to read verbatim from a piece that I published in May of 2020 and after I read it you'll kind of get the you'll kind of get the gist of why I'm time traveling here and why I'm alluding to timelessness let's begin the assorted news headlines about Ahmaud Arbery and countless other black men being murdered in cold blood is a tacit reminder of this otherness affixed to us a label a box that I refuse to inhabit it is a trap as the box has no air I am one of the legions of black man. I am often what my father told me who I needed to be to survive. He would often tell me, be a cruel contradiction. Make them eat their words, young blood. And if they choke on them, that don't got nothing to do with you. Those words echo, and I always carry them with me. Now, We can defy the stereotypes, but often it matters none, especially when we need it the most. I and the legions of black men, we live under a fog of omnipresent alert. We wield a shield to protect ourselves from the arrows of a world that seems to revile our presence. We navigate our respective minefields at the speed of life hoping not to be the next headline. Simply having the audacity to exist or in some instances persevere can be perceived as a threat to the order of things. Truth be told, we can't afford the luxury of being hurt because if we stop to acknowledge the pain, we will be overtaken. Now this was written in May 2020. You see what I mean about the timelessness? Now let that soak in and we're going to take a segue into poetry. In my first book from the water's edge volume one I touched on this phenomenon This attack, this being placed in a box, wrestling with the Leviathan of racism in America and just worldwide. And I penned this, this piece. It was called That Unbending Scan. It is like an omnipresent effort, being a pawn in a game of humanity being consistently inconsistent. That skin that won't bend. Subjected to the duality of avoiding consecutive blows. Targeted to concurrently impact the body and soul. If it makes you uncomfortable hearing about it. Imagine the cruel irony of having to go through it. Live it. Taste it. Feel it. Hear it. Be seen. Not heard. Told to get over it told that it is okay while the acidity of not having to know ferments into the pungent swill of ignorance only to eat away at the foundation extrapolate that over the course of a lifetime those raging rapids of otherness clashing against the colossus of invective and waters that won't be still. I know there's a lot to unpack there, but this there's a survival strategy. There's something that many black men have had to contend with. Survival strategies that we've had to pass on to our children like my father did with me, like what I had to do with my son. It's one of those timeless things that we've often been told, like I mentioned in the piece, we're told to get over it. We're told that it doesn't matter. And since we're time traveling, this also harkens back to a time where I was conscripted to fit the description. Now, at the time of this writing, Suzette, 2016, and the winter, my height hasn't changed much. I'm still 5'10" and some change. At the time, I was about 180 pounds. Far from a scary black man, but if I may again, allow me to read from this piece so that you can. a so that you can walk with me through this whole process this this piece was called wielding a shield when hurt is an option and I'm big on metaphors so take note of the shield if you will an acknowledgement of all the publicity given to instances involving African-Americans Having police called on them in 2018, I thought that it would be prudent to reissue my narrative from 2016 with a reflection on what I took from my humanity being relegated to the confines of otherness since that time. It was this interaction that gave birth to my spoken word piece, The Otherness. And I've had the privilege to read that at several open mics around the Baltimore area in its aftermath. In retrospect, I don't begrudge any of my experiences because I've reached a point in my life where I realized that I can't afford to. I have nothing but gratitude for the experiences which have served to fuel my most tightly held aspirations to be better than my past incarnations. This stands in stark contrast to many people who are content with just being stationary. That being said, let's take it back to 2016. Earlier this week, I saw something on my social media timeline that gave me pause for its poignancy. It seemed to rise off the screen and smack me in the face. And it said, in paraphrase, Rather than saying that racism doesn't exist, Just say that you don't care. That is easier to respect, less insulting, and more accurate. Now, if you're a regular reader of this blog, it is safe to say that you are well aware that I am a native son of Chicago, armed with the adoration of my hometown that knows no boundaries or none that I'm aware of. Sweet home Chicago that glorious stage where i performed my greatest act growing from a boy to a man with that added burden of being a young black man in the age of Reaganomics being able to sidestep the pitfalls of stereotypes teachers that cheered for me to fail peer pressure the whole scepter of gangs and drugs and the like i was able to rise above it all going to college procuring multiple academic degrees against a sobering backdrop of no can't maybe not and are you kidding the love that I have for Chicago is seen through a prism of a ugliness that is uniquely human growing up on the northwest side of the city in a pocket neighborhood of West Town called Noble Square a place where many of the people that I grew up with morphed into extensions of my extended family. I've been a walking contradiction of sorts ever since I can remember being on the receiving end of a plethora of insults and queries that made me question my place in the world was instructive as racism was always an omnipresent force. Now, the benefit of being called everything except for a child of God has its advantages. The pain that used to be its calling card eventually mutates into a shield of jaded indifference that is impenetrable to all projectiles of the social order. It was the development and my subsequent utilization of this shield that allowed me to shoulder on. But that doesn't mean that the assaults have ceased. The most recent assault on the shield took place yesterday as I left from a corporate event with a couple of my colleagues. Our trio was comprised of myself, a woman, and another man. We were remarkably unremarkable. If one was to tender a quick glance, we were all clad in professional garb, overcoats to account for the frigid temperatures, dress boots, shirts, ties, and gloves standard corporate attire and the three of us just happened to be black now if one could dig deeper between the three of us there was a total of six degrees we were unquestionably looking the part of professionals or to paraphrase a line that will possibly live in infamy we were articulate bright clean and nice looking we were storybook man Now we were walking our female colleague back to her car because chivalry was alive and well, but so are the unhinged and dangerous types that frequent the streets of Baltimore and cities around the country for that matter. And we stood outside her car engaged in a lively 20 to 25 minute conversation that belied the cold temperatures. And we were debating the feasibility of grabbing a bite to eat in the area. Now, while we were narrowing down the restaurants that we could make a sojourn to, I opted to step back into the venue that we left to use the restroom. Now when I came back out, I saw my colleagues out in the distance, and there was a pickup truck behind them. and I casually made the assumption that a driver was jockeying for her parking space, but when I got into earshot, a female colleague said rather incredulously, You'll never guess what's happening. What? I said. Someone called the police and filed a report of two black men cornering a Hispanic woman in front of her car. <laughs> with that, I immediately erupted in laughter like a, with an Eddie Murphy cackle of sorts. I was sure she was joking. She said, no, Sean, seriously. And when I got... Next to them, the three of us shared a glance of unmitigated gall tinged with bewilderment and my shield instantly powered up and was humming at maximum efficiency. There was a total of four police officers on the scene, some of them looking rather sheepish at the call that they had to feel. The uncomfortable silence spoke loudly and the gravity of it all began to soak in we were the two black guys cornering the hispanic woman interestingly enough they asked for identification a request that we all complied with and leered and in lieu of the sheer comedy of it all we conversed with them for about 10 minutes before they left and it's part of the survival strategy that many of the legions try to employ. We try to hammer on or hammer home our humanity. And with their departure, our appetites left with them and we went our separate ways home. As I walked the two blocks back to my car, I combed through my thoughts realizing that I wasn't much different from my past incarnations. That young boy in Chicago whose very visage always seemed to be interpreted as a threat to the order of things. Why? Often because those who aren't enlightened can only see me. And others who look like me has a caricature of their ignorance and myopic vision. I didn't fit their description. Hardly a black, hardly a large black guy at 5'10 and some change and 180 some odd pounds. In short, I am seen as a thug. That ugly connotation that's synonymous with the word just has sinister. And at this juncture, my shield was operating at a very low point. And as I slid into the seat of my car and exhaled deeply, I recalled the words of my grandmother who always told me. And these words echo to this day. Son, you got to have enough sense for yourself and some for these bums out here too. a lot to take in and sometimes narratives blended with poetry adds a layer of complexity or another set of eyes to something that people will often gloss over as a figment of our imagination because that is one of the burdens that we often have to contend with is that this leviathan of racism is all in our head. And that said, I want to close out episode three with a piece from my first book, volume one, of From the Water's Edge. It's a piece titled, That Unbending Skin. It is like an omnipresent effort being a pawn in a game of humanity being consistently inconsistent. That skin that won't bend subjected to the duality of avoiding consecutive blows targeted to concurrently impact the body and soul. If it makes you uncomfortable hearing about it imagine the cruel irony of having to go through it, live it taste it feel it hear it be seen not heard told to get over it told that it is okay while the acidity of not having to know ferments into the pungent swill of ignorance only to eat away at the foundation extrapolate that over the course of a lifetime those raging rapids of otherness clashing against the colossus of invective and waters that won't be still we can't build in a vacuum of inhumanity can we let that marinate and we'll circle back episode 4 I appreciate you Sean P. Wrights, signing off incense burns and you'll always find me at the water's edge